Hello, everyone, and welcome to the React Native Show podcast. And our topic for today is Open Native and how it allows native modules to be used cross ecosystems. And to discuss this, I have my guest with me today, Jamie Birch, who is a React Native, who is a React Native Script creator. So, hello, Jamie. Can you please uh, add some more description to who you are on top of what I just said? So I kind of came from initially from the world of React Native and then got exposed to Native Script and along the way just ended up loving the idea of using native APIs from JavaScript. And so my mission nowadays is to find that perfect balance in between React Native and Native Script. So I'm on the Native Script Technical Steering Committee, but always exper experimenting on both sides to see how we can make each of them better uh you know for the sake of both sides so can you maybe explain two things for me uh one what is native script uh besides like using api uh native api using javascript like broadly in general what what can you do with it and the second part of the question would be how it looked when you first encountered it several years ago and how it evolved and what it is today. So native script, it's a few things. Uh, you can think of it as a framework or a library or an ecosystem. So it is a bit confusing. Um, to me, what I like is the particular bit of it that lets you access native APIs. Unfortunately, that's a bit entangled with everything else. So let's just explain what you get. So today, typically, if you want to make an Android or iOS app in native script, it's the end-to-end -end framework. It's just like you choose React Native or native script. Once you're in native script, you can call native APIs. So for example, in Objective-C, you might do NS string alloc in it to make yourself an NS string from iOS SDKs. In native script, you can do exactly that same function call from JavaScript. You can do in a string dot alloc dot init. And I thought that's just magical. Like if I want to just get the battery level, I don't have to create a native module. I can just do it inline. I could even do it inside my render function um, because it's all synchronous. It's as if you were making an Objective-C app, but you chose to write in JavaScript instead. However, it brings a bunch of other stuff as well. So what we're trying to get towards um, kind of have been in the last few years and continuing to do to do so is make it so you can use native script anywhere just embed it into whatever framework you're using and especially react native i've got my sites on my hope is that native script one day could be the last native module you ever write okay okay that sounds that sounds really interesting so would you say um would you say that React Native is a dependency? Is a, so let, let me rephrase this. Would you say React Native is a dependency of native script in order to get to that native part? Or is it the other way around? You envision is I've as a native script being a dependency for React Native to get to that native layer. 
you could actually do it either way around and i've tried both and got <laughs> got a different got different very varying levels of success with each way around mm-hmm. so i've got I've got a repository called React Native in NativeScript and another one called NativeScript in React Native. Okay. Um, but the, the vision that I think would be the perfect developer experience is one that basically replaces JSI, replaces the bridge. And the idea would be you NPM install NativeScript and you can just, from there, immediately use... Uh, all the powers of native scripts, you know, create a view controller, whatever, just in React Native without touching Xcode or anything. And this, it's increasingly looking like this could be possible through Node APIs. Sorry, Node API. And for that, we do need to make Hermes support Node API. And, you know, for people using um, JavaScript core still on React Native, we need to uh make javascript core support node api but there are implementations and so all the jigsaw pieces are available and at this point it's just a political matter of pushing people to let us make those changes and once it's all in place we could have this so i guess we are coming to like the main topic of our conversation today which is how to unify the native experience across the frameworks, across the platforms. So can you uh, lay some ground rules for us, groundwork in how the systems in React Native, in Flutter, in Capacitor work right now? How do they work under the hood? And what is your next question? What is your vision of how to unify them? So the... Each of these cross-platform frameworks are all trying to do the same thing. They're targeting Android and iOS, and they're trying to create a common abstraction for calling various APIs. So we all want to use GPS, we all want to use accelerometer, etc. So why are each of these frameworks making native modules from the ground up, not looking at each other's work? And why can't we share work and work together? And the reason we can't is because each of these frameworks have chosen their own native module format and they're not mutually compatible. React Native, for example, its native module format is, well, the classic format is a JSON bridge where it Mm -hmm. hosts a JSON message and it's got something to listen for that JSON message on on the native side. Um, What else have we got? Flutter, not too familiar, I think it, they use the word signals. Um, I might be wrong. Capacitor ha- involves a web view. So again, you have to post a message out to the boundary of the web view. You have something on the Objective-C side listening for that posted message. And yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very similar. It feels like Capacitor and React Native could share a bit of common DNA. Uh, but nobody, nobody managed to convince everyone to agree on a shared format. And so as similar as certain bits may be, we're not at a point where in React Native you could just install a Flutter plugin or vice versa and use it because they're not mutually compatible. Yeah, so what you are saying is 
we have several different cross-platform frameworks like React Native, like Flutter. Uh, there are a few more. Uh, they own have their, let's say, proprietary uh, system of dealing with native APIs. Um, it is not easy. It is not easy to like switch from one to another. Uh, I think what you could do is like look inside the code and maybe get some like ideas of suggestions of how to do certain things. But those are not uh, uniform, right? Uh, you cannot work with them. And for example, if you were to create a new uh, cross-platform framework, you'd have to like do all of that work, groundwork, uh, all over again. Um, that is sort of where Nativescript is. We're a much smaller community than React Native. And so even though, you know, there are there are times where we do want to use native modules. So, you know, it's really nice to have that abstract, common abstraction for WebView or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just don't have the same number of developers around. And so it'd be really nice to reuse that work. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about uh, the concept that we discussed previously, me and you on different conversation, which is uh, Expo Unimodules? Can you, can you share some words about that? So Unimodules, it was an attempt to create a unified... API for all all cross-platform frameworks to access native APIs from I think specifically specifically from JavaScript, but maybe not even necessarily from JavaScript. I don't know the full story. But this was an initiative where there was conversation between representatives of each framework. I know native script, React Native at least were involved in it, I think possibly some others. But it's curious. It was a common standard which was only which was proposed by Expo, designed by Expo, and yet they were the ones left holding the bag. They were the only ones who who made any modules with it. And it almost feels like they made extra work for themselves because mm -hmm. yeah. You've seen all the, they 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 make a thin wrapper around every React Native module, and if you look at their SDK, or at least a few years back, they hadn't actually got around, I don't think, to writing Unimodule wrappers for every single thing offered in the SDK. Um, maybe I'm wrong there, but either way, it was clearly a lot of extra work for them, and they were trying to push it. They they did uh, they did conference talks on it. And they even, uh, let's see, what years? So from 2019, they actually made a proof of concept adapter for Flutter, so that Flutter would be able to use these unimodules. A year later, I made an adapter for NativeScript, so that so as of 2020, NativeScript could use Expo modules. But they sunset and deprecated rather the uh, unimodules in 2021 in favor of Expo modules. And the reason for that, well, there's a few reasons. One is by coupling closer to React Native, you can use more React Native specific features more smoothly, things like JSI and, and whatnot. It's just a lot easier to map to. And for another reason, 
just nobody nobody was adapt- adopting it, even when the adapters were written. And I think the reason for that is it was just putting more work on their plate. If you're a Flutter developer, sorry, if you're a Flutter developer and you want to make a native module for Flutter, you're probably not thinking too much about the outside crowd. You just want to get the work done for your own purposes. And if someone comes along and says, hey, if you do all this extra boilerplate, <laughs> you could have a native module for everyone else. Yeah. And Think about it as a React Native developer. You know, do you know anyone who's started a brand new native module for React Native and thought, "I'll do it as an Expo Unit module"? No, uh, but I can see some benefits to that. I can see some like talking points around this. Why you would want to do that? Like you get like the community of. Flutter and React Native coming together to make your native module greater. But at the same time, the React Native community and probably Flutter community as well, like they can take care of this. They can take care of their own modules and they can like make them great without the other parts like participating. And then, so that's a... Uh, that's a plus right that's the that's the carrot but the stick is you have to like also maintain the the tin wrapper around it and then you have to have uh like shared issues on github maybe in flutter something works but in react native it doesn't uh, and other uh, ways around so i can see some benefits and some disadvantages but probably the communities are so separate that they don't think in like this unified way of writing native modules. I think that's exactly the issue. These communities are very siloed. They, I mean, I don't know how conspiracy theorists to get about this, but I think <laughs> sort of every if if you read too much Twitter, you'll see everyone works in tribes. Um, the Ang- Angular folks think about Angular things. React folks say mm-hmm. React is the best. And React and Vue are always fighting. And React Native and Flutter never really cross into each other's territory. They talk within their own bubbles, and I think it's a huge shame. So, really, a, uni- a unified standard was maybe doomed from the start because nobody's interested enough in sharing and working together so what really we needed different approach in the first place mm-hmm. the idea of possibly sharing something whether you like it or not if you had a way to say well you wrote a react native native module you thought it was just for react native but uh, <laughs> There is a tool to make it available for every everyone. I know where are you go. Where are you going with this? Uh, I I think I know where are you going with this. So uh, let me ask you the question, Jamie. What is Open Native? Open Native, what curveball? Um, <laughs> so Open Native was a project started by Amar Ahmed. He, you may know him from React the React Native community, either for the Notes Look app, which is a markdown editor. I think it's a secure note sharing thing. I don't know the details, sorry. Um, 
but also for his JSI guide. So he's no stranger to looking around undocumented React Native internals and explaining it all for the rest of us. So he was the perfect person to spearhead this. And he came into the NativeScript community out of nowhere. And he basically said, well, again, I'm, I'm not quoting him. I, I'm uh, <laughs> sure. But, yeah. He, he loved the architecture of NativeScript. He could see the potential and he wanted to sort of fill in the gaps that it was missing. And he wanted, well, anyway, I'm, I'm not quoting him, but he's been great. Um, and he had an idea to bring native module, React Native native modules to NativeScript. And so we talked a bit. I'd, I'd obviously had my original effort with Expo Unimodules, so I was very interested. And his idea was, well, hang on, if, if NativeScript, you know, it can compile Objective-C, it can compile Java, it, you know, it can look at all the same files as React Native. Why can't we just, you know, use React Native modules ourselves? And so he set about building what you could think of as a polyfill for React Native core. And if you've ever used Webpack, it's sort of an alias for the React Native NPM package. So uh, what we were aiming for is that NativeScript could just NPM install uh, React Native WebView or whatever you might think of, and then use it exactly as per documentation have all the auto-linking taken care of using uh, NativeScript command lines, uh, lifecycle hooks, and just make it a seamless experience to give everyone full access to a React Native ecosystem. And we thought, well, that would be really nice, uh, mm -hmm. but how do you do that? And so his idea was, well... So sorry, oh, yeah. just, to, just to summarize this part, so as opposed to unimodules that had a wrapper around a React Native module uh, that was like unified API for all other frameworks. This idea is the other way around. So you have your React Native module and the, the native script is responsible for reading it as is. Exactly. With no, with no changes required. Mm. And so the beauty of that is React Native developers can think, keep on just doing things their own way, not even worrying about the outside world. And we get, we get freed of the maintenance burden of making all these native modules for ourselves. We can just use the existing ones. They're happy, we're happy. And that's why it can succeed where unimodules didn't because you don't need adoption. It's adopted whether you like it or not. How to do this, however, that's a big question. There are there's a few ways we could approach that question, but um, I, was, I was just thinking thinking to myself today the best way to explain this, and I think starting from the JavaScript side makes sense. If you're a React Native user, you make a new app and you want to access a battery, maybe you've installed a native module called React Native Battery, and it's a classic 
bridge star module, not a fancy new JSI one. In React Native, you'd write the following JavaScript. You'd write import uh, native modules from React Native. Then you do native modules dot, uh, I think we were doing a battery module. So native modules dot battery dot get current level. And it will be maybe promise format. So you, maybe you'd await that. And then, hey, presto, you got the battery level. That was easy on the JavaScript side, but there's a whole lot of stuff on the native side to, that made all that possible. And so in for open native, yeah, we can do a, a sort of webpack alias to say, okay, well, we're taking care of the React Native NPM package. We're going to make an object called native modules, and it's going to have something like battery. It's going to have all the native modules like battery registered into it. You've got that far, and then you think, Okay, but where do we go from here? At this point, we need to know how things are set up on in React Native Core, in, on the native side. And native modules is a JavaScript object that proxies through. It's not actually an ES6 proxy, but it, in, in the term of the word, it proxies through and effectively it under the hood, if you do native modules.battery.get current level, it will call batch bridge.execute JS. Let me just check what it's called. Execute, no, batch bridge.nq native call. And for each for each module, such as battery, and each method on that module, you'll have a different underlying call, batch bridge on queue native call to that module ID, that method ID, and whatever our arguments the user pass through. And then it will have a, a success callback and on failure callback. Mm -hmm. and, this... and those methods, like in the native code, those methods are like either following the same naming convention or are like decorated the same way so that React Native Engine knows that those are the methods that are like exposed to the to the bridge, to the like the executor. Yes, effectively there's this NQ native call. It's sort of like if you've ever written JSI module, they've injected um well they've injected a host host object called batch bridge, which has the API NQ native call on it into the JavaScript runtime from the native side, and it's able to do native stuff uh, when given JavaScript arguments. So it's, it's a little complicated, but it's kind of like a JSI callback. Mm -hmm. So it takes in JavaScript arguments like string, number, null, and it turns those into Objective-C arguments ns string, ns number, ns null. It and it's able to call a, a particular method on the module registry, on a module from the module registry. So now we know, we learn another concept. There is a module registry for every native module you make. It gets registered into that registry. So I think we know enough about um, how native modules are called, and we just we now, now need to zoom back out to the native side. Well, sorry, to out out of 
for React Native Core Library, and now look at some userland code. Mm -hmm. So, so if you make a native module in for yourself, uh, let's say it's an iOS native module, you'll always do the same things. You'll import React slash uh, RCT bridge or whatever it's called. Um, so you get the bridge headers, and you'll create a class, and you'll decorate that class with a macro that says RCT export. Mm-hmm. module and that macro does something very clever which is it adds a static method to the class uh, the static method is called load and inside load it it calls rct register rct register bridge module it's got a name similar to that and what it does is it grabs a reference to it, itself the class and it registers it into the module registry and you may ask sort of, well, who calls? So if I made my class called uh, battery or whatever, who calls battery.load in the first place? It's it's actually called by Objective-C runtime. It's It's got a, all Objective-C classes, if you put a static load method on them, they will get called as soon as um, the class is loaded into the process. Anyway, that is how modules automatically get registered into runtime. Um, sorry, into React Native's module registry. That's why you have all these macros. You could actually write it out manually. You don't really don't need the, the macros, and I think they well, it's really a nice <laughs> it's a nice utility to to have it simplified by React Native like team probably right. For sure, for sure. I think there's a balance between making things more making things too mysterious and thinking what's actually going on here and well, making things less of a boss so the way you described it uh probably 99% of our listeners of our or our viewers didn't get into this uh, stuff that deep what we do is we read what's on the react native website and if i want to make a native module I just get the boilerplate from React Native website. It gives me the macros. It, it gives me the method name. And it, it tells me, if you uh, decorate your methods this way, you can use it on React Native side. That's all I need to know if I want to build that uh, native module, if I want to use that. But if you want to take my native module and expose it into some other framework, some like uh, native script, for example, then you'd have to know how it all works under the hood. Yes, and it wasn't very... <laughs> it made it really hard. In fact, a, a lot of the ways... A lot of the architectural decisions taken by React Native on how to do native modules were, are actually very hostile to this kind of project. For example, all the information we want, such as the method signatures, they're written in a .m file. We really want them in the header file. Mm-hmm. And the macros hide a bunch of things behind them. So your uh, RCT export method, there's some useful information in that macro that, again, uh, it's not in the header, so native script can't see it. So, um, 
anyway, so we had to reverse engineer how React Native native modules work. And that was basically a process of, okay, we've got this far. We know it involves a macro. We know it involves a module registry, and we know we're going to need this native modules object, which proxies through to call these methods. How do you then proceed from there? Basically, it was a process of following the headers. So looking at your your my first native module, um, follow each header yeah. it pulls in um, and try to build a web of, well, this header pulls in this other header from React Native Core, and you finally make a big spaghetti of every single thing that is needed to express a native module. And you say, right, now if we can make a CocoaPod that referenced all of those files, we'd be getting somewhere, wouldn't we? And that's exactly what we did. We we looked at how React Native set up their CocoaPod and we, we said, okay, well, we, don't, we do need that, we don't need that, and went on and then got to a point where we could say, okay, well, now if we just install this CocoaPod, we will have all this React Native, native, you know, bridge logic and native module logic read available, and we just need to figure out how to call it. Mm-hmm. And the calling process, again, the clue was in native modules. It's you pull out the native module from the registry, you figure out what the name of the method is, and you you pass the arguments through and you call it manually. So it's, it's quite a quite a lot of stuff to go over. Um, my question here would be: so I understand maybe thirty percent of what what you just said. So let me like add one additional question. Maybe I can understand it better. Um, in you architecture of React Native, we have a concept of uh, code gen, code generation, which is basically a build step uh, to create some functions, to create some code on fly from like the templates, right? From the boilerplate that you made. Uh, So that's like build step code generation. On the other hand, you have uh, like runtime code execution. So what is the balance? What is like the code gen that you are using while parsing the Objective C files to like figure out the method names, figure out the macros? And what is the runtime step when you actually trying to execute the code? There's a bit of both. Um, so I- as I mentioned, there's a few hostile aspects. Um, now, NativeScript can see all native APIs that are for which there's a header, because at build time, NativeScript would use the Clang APIs. It, it follows all the headers. It figures out all the classes and methods and protocols, and it creates JavaScript equivalents for those. But its power does not reach React Native native modules because the really important stuff like the method signatures are hidden inside macros and they're hidden in the .m files. Mm-hmm. So we had no choice uh, but to use uh, to use some build step logic where we parse the contents of the files. We could have used proper AST traversal, but you know it's 
the solutions for Objective-C are very slow, so we used just regex. And we found out the names of the modules, the names of methods, and the method signatures, which is a lot of gross regex. And knowing all of that, we are able to build up a sort of JSON description of everything this native module does. And so we can say, well, this, this is everything you can expect. And now you just need an adapter. And this is on the, you know, it, it could be nat native script calls these, native scripts uh, using this JSON information calls the native modules, or it could be Flutter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So to summarize, in the build step, you use regex to go over the files. You get the information from the files because we have nicely uh, named functions, RTC, blah, 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 right? Uh, you put all of that information to JSON and you can reference that in runtime from whatever you like. And this is the piece that links us to uh, unimodules from Expo, right? Because they did basically that step, by, but by hand, right? By hand, they wanted, they needed to create this thin layer. And you are creating this like with code gen, but only yes. for React Native uh, in, in, in this example. Yes, there's there's definitely a lot of overlap. So I was I was actually able to reuse my experience in writing the adapter for Expo Unimodules for writing this adapter for uh, for native uh, for React Native native modules. All the same, you have all the same things to do. Uh, say, how do we change a type from the native script runtime, which would be a, JavaScript types into Objective-C types. How do we grab our... You know, where are these modules stored? How do we call them? And that's something NativeScript will have to do. That's something Flutter would have to do, Capacitor, etc. So that's all largely build time stuff. Um, I can talk about runtime stuff. I don't know sort of how we're doing on pacing, though. Uh, yeah, let's let's jump into the runtime stuff for a little bit. Sure. Okay. So, runtime stuff isn't is actually not all that much, I suppose. It's mostly just telling. So we mentioned that module registry. Uh, that's something that's being assembled in Objective C land, and if you're going to consume the React Native modules, you are going to need to import the header for the file where that registry lives. And you're going to need to know how to reach into it and pull out the relevant modules. And you're going to have to make, when you're doing a sort of Webpack alias for React Native, you're going to have to make uh, your equivalent of native or that native modules object. So in our case, we made a proxy. And the interesting thing we did there was um, we upgraded all classic style native modules to be turbo modules. That is to say, they're not loaded at startup, they're loaded on demand lazily. Mm -hmm. And another, th another fun thing we did was instead of 
instead of re-implementing the batched bridge uh, concept, we just, instead of posting a JSON message, listening for the JSON message, and having this like really slow tennis match between the, the native and JS sides, native script can call those things directly. So we just did, and we, we get this you is know, close, <laughs> close to this JSI is such speech. an interesting, such an interesting concept when a meta team, like the the whole React Native community, is in this like a transition phase from bridge to bridgeless from old architecture to new architecture, from bridge to JSI. And what you just did, what you just explained, is that I can take my uh, my first module that is written four years ago in like bridge fashion. <laughs> I can reference it through native script and it will become like synchronous. Is that oh, what you're yes. saying? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, we've got some <laughs> we've got some perform performance uh, uh, numbers on the Open Native repo that show that Native Script calls React Native Native Classic style modules um, many times faster. I think it might be fifty times faster. Let me. <laughs> um, and, and this and, is awesome. What's let me. I feel <laughs> I feel like this this part of the um, native script is not advertised very well uh, because like this might be very very useful for some of the things that we do right well, for some of the libraries that don't have that much maintenance don't have that much contributors and we need them to like get through the bridge to the JSI. Uh, what we could do is actually like uh, have them run in native script fashion. What well, I think my end goal for native script is get to a point where that would be sensible. Mm -hmm. But the odd thing is, you know, we've we've talked about we when we were reverse engineering the bridge, we realized hey, you could upgrade everything to native modules. Uh, sorry, upgrade everything to turbo modules. Um. You, Meta could do that today in React Native Core. They could make all classic modules upgraded to Turbo modules. No problem. We've, we've proved it. This, they just haven't. Um, going, like, wrapping up the discussion about runtime, I will ask a last question. So we, throughout the conversation we are referencing mostly methods and mostly functions, which are, I would suspect, much, much easier than dealing with views. So how about the view layer in, in all of this? Because my favorite libraries are not calculate this on native side. Those are rather display this on the native side. Yes. Um... So this is, this is, this is definitely, this was a phase two consideration. And, um, so I should clarify, I, what I contributed to open native was I, I helped a lot in the beginning with the IOS implementation of the sort of the classic stuff and also with the command line stuff for auto linking. I don't think we've really got enough time to go into that, but Amar has been the one who's 
you know, really taken on the majority and he's continuing to implement views. And so that's, that's an act that's actually under construction right now. But my understanding of how it works is effectively there's this class RCT view and I think there'll be, there may be some, uh, bridge specific, bridge module specific, some bridge view module or whatever. I'd have to remind myself, but either way, the fundamental bit is if you can implement your own equivalent of RCT view, you know, maybe bring your own, the closest thing you have to yoga, or maybe you can get yoga working on, on your cross-platform framework, whatever view is your primitive view. If you make something API compatible with RCT view, then you can, there is definitely a path to get to React Native web view. So you might have to sort of know up a lot of features like, you know, maybe we can't have rounded corner, you know, maybe we don't implement border radius, but stuff yeah, like, shadows. yeah, stuff like, you know, top position zero, left position zero, like that you can implement if you know enough about how your internals work. And yes, um, the, the one big reason we weren't too interested in views is because you got to carry React around. Because ultimately, React Native Web View is exposed as a library of React components. Mm-hmm. So if you're using NativeScript Angular, like how's that? Nobody's made an Angular to React translator that's really a household name. So what the limit of what Open Native can give you is imperative APIs. So if you're happy with React Native Web View, where you can just call like you know um, dot inject JavaScript or what no sorry dot execute JavaScript, evaluate JavaScript, whatever whatever name they've chosen, and then you remake that component for Angular or whatever, then, you know, that's very possible. But even better, maybe you're using React Native Script and you just, there's probably a way to hook it all up and you get everything for free. Okay. It seems like I said, uh, like the views are much, much harder and like the methods and functions are ready and available to to use so thank you for that we, we will like move on now to take a broader look like take a step back and look at the open native uh in its entirety so what would you say is the like piece that we just discussed using react native modules in native script what is the open native like in general in reference to this? What are so, the like plans and other pieces, other working pieces in the whole uh, ecosystem? So open native, you know, this is we chose quite a broad name for a project in the hopes that maybe one day it will become something bigger. We, you know, we we got quite a few GitHub stars, and uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, we got a bit of attention on Twitter and I was really hoping that ball would start rolling and people from other communities would appear sort of fluttering 
capacitor and say, hey, that's exactly something we need. Uh, let's help you. But that never happens in open source. So here we are. It's just, well, I say we. It's mostly Amar. But it's entirely Amar at this point. Um, if if the other communities had come out and said, yes, we will lend you our expertise, um, we would now be in a position where every uh, cross-platform framework could use each other's native modules because we'd all build the adapters, we'd all build the logic for parsing native modules and that sort of thing. But ultimately, it is what it is and it is where it is. So we're, yeah, I'm thinking ahead to a future and thinking, is there another way we could get cross-platform, cross-ecosystem collaboration? And um, I'm happy to say there have been some movements on that. Oh, okay. So th something different than open native. Exactly. So I overheard from a from Vladimir who works on um, the React Native Windows. Um, I, I need to check his surname, but it's Vladimir. Um, and he is a member of the node api team so mm -hmm. he is a very interesting um bridge between these two worlds of react native and node and he works on you know low level stuff c++ cross language stuff and he's been pushing to Reimagine JSI as something that's built on. There's, there's a few things to discuss here, but the the main things he's pushing at the moment is trying to get Hermes to implement JSI on top of something ABI stable. The end goal of that is that we could ship pre-compiled native modules, which for things like Firebase would save you a lot of time. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So, and a necessity for that is you need JSI, which is C is based on C++ to be ABI stable. And C++ doesn't have a stable ABI. But what you could do is implement JSI on top of something that is API, ABI stable, which is Node API. And the cool thing about this is, okay, if we bring Node API to Hermes and we make Hermes as JSI based on Node API, which is something that would be made possible thanks to that, now we've got Node API in Hermes and we can do all sorts of things. Any NPM package that makes its own native add-on using Node API can then mm -hmm. simply be NPM installed and used as is in React Native. And it gets better from there. Yeah, so, I, I hope you have some links and references to this digression at the end of the episode. And we're, we're going to link this in the show notes. You said you overheard it somewhere. So I hope you overheard it on Twitter or like blog post or, or something like that so that we can uh, link this somewhere because this is really interesting. 
And like I forgot to recap the like open native versus like React Native implementation of open native concept. And I think it's time. I think it's time to like conclude the episode. So let me rephrase what you said like just three minutes ago. Open native is an and please uh, like interrupt me if I'm saying something stupid and you want to uh, correct me. Open native is a project that aims to have intercompatibility between cross-platform frameworks so that they can each other use their native modules interchangeably. If I'm a React Native user, I could have an adapter and some code gen mechanism provided by NativeScript that reads Flutter native module and allows me to use that Flutter native module in my React Native application. Right I'll now, this is not... you there. Uh, I think... So, um, I'd not thought of using NativeScript as the glue between the two. Um, but I think what we do is we'd leave that to open native. But it's an interesting point. It might actually be possible <laughs> to let NativeScript take care of that. Uh, this is just how I understood the concept. But it doesn't work like that right now. Right now, what you could do is to call React Native specific modules from native script. That's what's available, and that's what we've discussed in this episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think we have it. Thank you so much. It, it was such an interesting discussion. I rarely have opportunity to listen, maybe not even discuss, because I'm not on the level of discussing macros in Objective-C, but like listen to you explain how to reverse engineer like real core of React Native. And then because of those reverse engineered things that you learn, like put something on top of this and like make something else. Like this is such an interesting concept and very like for me as a developer, interesting. Uh, so thank you, Jamie. Uh, it was really, really uh, good to have you here. Uh, thank you, all of you who listened to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this as well. And uh, check out more episodes of the React Native Show podcast and subscribe to us our newsletter. Bye.